0: This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hi, uh, this is Ching Zhao, CFO of Cyprokinetics, Inc. You're listening to CFO Salt Leader Podcast. This is episode 558.
1: Our, our customers need to be... essence online with us almost 24-7 in terms of the data pipes that exist so we're very focused from a finance and an IT perspective of making sure that all of those touch points uh, are are working and if anything ever ever goes down from the perspective of either the integrity of that data or the 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 data pipes themselves we've got we've got a a plan to get it back up um, very very promptly
0: Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to David Ertel, CFO of Visient, a member-owned healthcare services company. We speak to David about leaving behind a 25-year investment banking career to take on an operator role as CFO of Visient. We ask David about having a board that is also made up of your largest customers and about how finance is empowering Vizient's customer-centric focus, after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful at planful.com. Hello, we're speaking to David Ertel, CFO of Vizient, a member-driven healthcare performance improvement company. David, welcome.
1: And welcome to all of the listeners.
0: Thank you. They've been waiting for you here, and Vizient, we want to find out more about. But as always, we begin uh, by asking you, David, to share a little bit of your story with us and what were those experiences that you feel prepared you for a finance leadership role. What comes to mind?
1: Well, ironically enough, it's not anything related to finance. Um, I was a politics major in college, and that interest came out of uh, electoral politics work I did um, in my late teen years um, which led me eventually, after after college, uh, going into policy work um, in state government. I worked as a policy analyst in the New, Jer- New Jersey Department of Health and Human Services, working on um, various aspects of healthcare care, uh, finance, and policy. And I really had um, no right to, to do that, having a, a politics major in my background. But it fascinated me um, and got me really interested in in, in healthcare finance uh, through through the policy end, I then um, moved from that work uh, to a graduate program. Uh, I received an MBA and master of public health, a joint degree with a with a concentration in in hospital finance, and uh, that led me um, after graduating uh, from Columbia University in New York City to an investment banking career in uh, in New York City. Um, with Morgan Stanley um, and eventually leading their national health care practice. Um, it got me uh, involved in what we call advising our members' um, health systems around the country and advising them strategically on their debt offerings, on mergers and acquisitions and the like. And uh, I did that for the uh, big big chunk of my career, some 25 years, and then eventually um, got recruited um, to be a CFO, and I came at it from a very strategic angle. I don't have an accounting degree. Um, I never did any audit work, but I did have a background that was fundamentally strong in, in finance. And began uh, my career uh, with a, uh, a healthcare provider in in Philadelphia, and uh, was involved in a number of uh, number of offerings of, uh, of Einstein Healthcare Network in Philadelphia around uh, achieving growth strategies for them and uh, and merger and acquisitions as well as uh, leading them in achieving a balanced budget. It was uh, a, a little bit circuitous, but uh, got me involved in in the, in the CFO. Role and I achieved uh, uh, another job um, in Miami, Florida, at the University of Miami and their health system as well as the university. and And from there, I moved and was recruited uh, to, to Vizian, uh, Particularly given the background that I had, not only in in finance, strategic finance, but with our members who are uh, health system health systems themselves.
0: Now, I just want to add. Uh, sort of underscore here. You were at Morgan Stanley for uh, a, quite a quite a stretch. Is that right?
1: Oh, that's right. 20, 25 years, actually.
0: So the Payne Weber years of your bio was that part of Morgan, or how did that work?
1: I I moved I moved my group uh, from Payne Weber to to Morgan Stanley during that period of time.
0: Can can you and, and you you touched on it for us, but can you bring it out? What was it that led you to take this? You, you know to leave Morgan finally and 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 uh, pursue some of these other opportunities. Maybe it's surprising for some of us after that stretch of time to 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 take this leap to make this change.
1: Well, it was a couple of things. One is I always had a, an interest in um, the health systems themselves, not just uh, the investment banking perspective on the health system. This is one of the reasons why I pursued that role during that portion of my career. Um, I did some board work. I was uh, vice chairman and, and uh, uh, head of the finance committee, uh, chair of the finance committee at Princeton Healthcare System, which was a provider um, in my hometown of Princeton, New Jersey. And that work really got me fascinated in. Um, doing something different in my career i think post post investment banking so after having done that for as long as I did, I wanted to do something that was just a little bit different um it it got me it got me off the road um from the perspective of, of business travel, but also got me more intimately involved in what fascinated me, which was um the health systems themselves um and the ability to to drive uh, you know fundamental positive change uh in, in that in that way.
0: Now, I uh, want to ask you about Vizient. What was it? And, and I, I think this was a fair, a different type of organization. And, and, and you can correct me. I don't know if you worked for a SaaS company before. Uh, Vizient, is it in part a SaaS solution that Vizient has?
1: In part, it is. Uh, so, Visient is um, a member-owned, member-governed, and member-driven organization. We're private and for-profit, um, and uh, our our owners are some 316 health systems, um, many uh, of which I knew quite well from my prior career and had an affinity for them. And it drives uh, fundamental performance improvement through uh, several different offerings. One is uh, supply chain, both the group purchasing organization aspect of supply chain as well as supply chain management and clinical integrated performance improvement in that regard. And then in data analytics, uh, some of which is SaaS oriented and some of which is hosted um, uh, by by Vizient uh, that drives clinical uh, and operational performance improvement.
0: As far as technology goes, David, is this the most high-calorie technology offering you've been involved with to date, or were there others?
1: It, you know, it is. It is. Um, I was a user of some of that technology in uh, my prior world. Um in in that um you know Vizian and the other organizations like Vizian around the country have relationships uh, with uh, major health systems so i was familiar of it familiar with it as a user and so had that unique perspective of what is going to be different in the offering that vizient uh, makes as i come on board that is going to be useful to to vizient and understanding it from the health system perspective and i think that has been something that's proven out in my year and a half here is understanding what the use case is uh for the for the hospital system
0: can can you tell us like your arrival what uh, was it opening a new chapter for vizient as well what uh, how would you characterize what you were tasked with
1: well to some extent um that That's probably true, um, I think one of the reasons that this uh, position was attractive to me and I think was attractive to um, our CEO and board was the ability to bring that outside uh, in view uh, to the company in its uh, its growth. Um, Vizient is uh, the result of a merger of, of several different companies: uh, VHA, Voluntary Hospitals of America, Novation, UHC, University Health System Consortium, MedAssets, which was a public company, and SG2. So those four companies came together um, over the last uh, three and a half years. Um, so as that um, as that consolidation. Was consummated. It was important for the company to move forward with their next strategic growth strategy, which, to some extent, is driven from internal um, sources, but also looking at the external world: what we can grow uh, by merger and acquisition, what we can grow by understanding the health system needs. So, I think to some extent, that's 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 true. That I had a perspective, which probably is different from a, a homegrown CFO. Um, in in coming in with the with the background that I had, now,
0: is there a uh, a big part of what you're trying to achieve the operational efficiencies of these three organizations coming together and the visibility into their operations? I mean, it, it, is that characterize a big part of what you've sought to accomplish over the last 18 months or uh, however long it is now?
1: Yes, I think um the the synergies that come out of that, there were initial synergies that were realized uh, you know, in the first year and a half or two years uh of the organization. And then the second stage of that is really to drive fundamental uh change in the way that, that business is done um once merged. Um and I think that has been underway certainly before I got here, but I think one of the uh things I was tasked with was how do we how do we move forward with that to, to to really um, inculcate um, the way of doing business that that is Vizient and not any of the legacy companies, um, so that's certainly been something that I've been focused on um, primarily in, in in this year as we went through a, a performance in, an internal performance improvement um, series of uh, of, uh, of tasks.
0: Yeah, many uh, we we've spoken to finance leaders over time uh, frequently about. The subscription model and how either a portion of their uh, business model has become subscription-driven um, or it's become a subscription-driven business over time many of these finance leaders of course 10 years ago uh, did not operate in a, in a subscription model this sounds like it's a sort of a hybrid type model and i'm wondering if you can uh, share with us any thoughts about that part of the model that we described as sas earlier and whether you have Uh, been surprised by the visibility it's given you, uh, by the challenges maybe that it sometimes presents, Uh, what would you share with us in regards to that?
1: Well, I think um, you've you've hit on a very uh, important point here, and that is that largely defined, um, most of Vizion's revenue is I'm going to put it in air quotes, subscription-oriented. Some of it's literal subscriptions, be it SAS or other offerings, um, but many of it is driven by multi-year contracts um, that operate as as subscription services, be it a, uh, a clinical data or the group purchasing organization. So while that, on the one hand, provides great visibility on future revenue, the challenge for those types of organizations is not to sit back and, and rest on your laurels um, from the perspective of what offerings do you put forward to enhance that and really take advantage of a, of a, of a built-in stickiness because you have a, either a contract or a subscription uh, that serves as a contract. and really enhance something so that you're providing value to those customers on an, on an ongoing basis by improving the offerings. And so I think it's a... It's, it's, a, it's a good starting point, but uh, doesn't change the dynamic that you have to be out there every day as a company, whether you're um, on the back office, uh, the, the CFO side of the equation, or you're out uh, with, with customers. I think it's, uh, it's, it's an important point for a company like this to, uh, to understand and rise to that challenge.
0: So what then are those top-of-mind metrics for you? As you enter the office each day, and you uh, look at before your first cup of coffee, what would they be?
1: Well, on the on the uh, it's 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 revenue per customer, it's margin per customer, it's overall EBITDA margin when you look at financial statistics. But then it's it's member retention, and that's not literally measured every single day but certainly uh it's something that's looked at month by month what do we retain um of of our customers and then of course a metric is what do we get that's new what's our market share um et cetera? so it's it's probably those almost 10 or 12 uh metrics that i that i just mentioned
0: how are you feeling about let me ask it this way too uh the data integrity here are you are you confident you 've got the customer engagement uh, measurements in place that you need you 're not being surprised too often in other words and are you are you surprised by how much time you 're spending monitoring customers as a finance leader these days
1: well to some extent i am i I think one of the aha moments for me in coming on board while I understood the business model here was the the stickiness of it um, from the perspective of um, we have our owners, which are 316 health systems. Then we have other customers, um, you know, probably a couple of thousand other customers that really look to us as their uh, partner in that regard, whether they are uh, an owner of us or uh, just are, are with us by virtue of the contracts we have. Um, And that, that um, both, uh, as I mentioned just a moment ago, provides a great opportunity, but also is something to really make sure it it continues to be an opportunity that um, you're delivering value every day to those uh, to those customers. And I think the, the 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 challenge there has been to make sure that you know from a from a data standpoint, as you mentioned, that we are always on top of that, and and um, our our customers need to be. In essence, online with us almost 24/7 in terms of the data pipes that exist. So, we're very focused from a finance and an IT perspective of making sure that all of those touch points uh, are, are are working. And if anything ever ever goes down from the perspective of either the integrity of that data or the the, the, the data pipes themselves, we've got we've got a, a plan to get it back up um, uh, very very promptly.
0: Okay. David, what is the? Uh, I was just looking on the site at the board, the Visian board of directors. Twenty-one member board of directors. That's a fairly sizable board. Could could you tell us what's the what's the role this board plays? Is it just like every other board, or how would you explain it to us?
1: Well, I think, I think being a member-owned organization um, extends to, to governance as well. Um, and so you will note, if, if someone were to go online and on our, our website, that uh, we have uh, uh, four outside directors, but the other directors of the company are all uh, health system CEOs or COOs, um, who are actively engaged uh, in the business that we're in, but also are customers of ours. So it is all the usual fiduciary duties that any board would have from the perspective of everything from governance to finance to, um, uh, to uh, audit, etc. Um, but also is that they provide an immediate voice of the customer. They sit around the board table um, with us four times a year and in committee meetings more often. So we have uh, the built-in uh, advantage of having um, our governing body be um, some of our biggest customers. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's, it's something that appealed to me in coming on board because um, it, it's, a, it's a real alignment of, uh, of, of strategy leading to, to execution. Um, now that's not to say that that the the board um is 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 not challenging uh the company executives um to uh to achieve in in other respects they are, but I think it provides a great uh built in advantage and uh adds to that. I'm I'm calling it stickiness of having um your customer uh, be your owner be your 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 main uh your main uh source of uh of uh, strategy going forward.
0: We always like to ask if there's a sort of a non-financial metric that you're paying close attention to these days and I guess uh in the customer engagement area there's always some but be curious are there other uh Metrics that you 're paying close attention to that were not traditionally financial metrics sometimes it 's the net promoter score or what have you, but uh, we hear all sorts of things
1: yeah we 've just begun to um, really track and and uh, and understand the net promoter score um, I think that's that is and will become an even more important metric. Um, uh and I think is for a for a company like Visiant. I think um the other member satisfaction um the customer satisfaction scores are are important um as well. Um I also think that it's uh, the retention of uh of our of our customers, our member customers in what they utilize uh that is uh Vizient, whether they renew with us, whether we're gain in market share. So I think those ultimately come back to financial metrics because if you retain a customer, you retain the revenue and the margin, and if you get a customer, you uh, gain the revenue and the margin. But I think um, those can be uh, interesting insights to different areas of the business, be it a SaaS offering or the group purchasing organization, what, what is our retention rate and the rate at which we gain uh, new, new, new customers.
0: Like many other organizations, would you uh, have to present to the board a few times a year, David, or is that is it operate a little differently?
1: No. Yes, uh, that is uh, the, the, the the board uh, gets presentations from each area of the company uh, at each of their four meetings of the year, as well as there are uh, committee meetings which uh, uh, are more often than four times a year.
0: Sometimes I ask that question. I I ask about finance leaders and and. Uh, the first time they had to go before the board and what advice they might have uh, for other finance leaders. At the same time, this seems like such a unique organization in many ways, being a membership uh, led organization that when you go before the board, what would you tell us in terms of how you believe your, uh, when it's time for you to go to the board, your experience differs from other finance leaders and how is it the same?
1: Well, um, I'm not sure I can comment on other finance leaders, but I have always approached uh, board discussions um, at a level of, um, I'm going to call it full disclosure, um, where you know you don't uh, hold back anything, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent um, from uh, the directors, both in my CFO roles here, as well as my two health system CFO roles. But I would say that, that came out of my experience and uh, understanding of the role of an investment banker in being um, a, when I advise boards um, or management teams for that perspective, I I went at it from the perspective of you need to hear what I really believe based on the facts. And I approached my role as a CFO with a board in the, in the same fashion. Um, and I think it's important to highlight, um, you know, the, the 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 weak points and not just the strong points in any presentation that may take place with the board. And I think uh, I think I'm at a company now that that lives that value uh, from the C the CEO on down.
0: I guess I guess what I'm. I, uh... I'm trying to highlight, or what I found interesting is these are your customers as well. So yeah. whereas other boards are comprised of other, uh, you know, luminaries sometimes in in if C-suite members from other companies, uh, you've got your customers there as well. So they bring a whole other perspective, maybe another whole set of questions they might want to ask you along the way. Uh, but uh, it doesn't seem like you're too daunted by that. The way it must function.
1: Well, I mean, it's comfortable for me in the perspective that I I, I know the world that they're in, um, not only just Vizient's world, but uh, in the way they relate to Vizient, but I know the other pressures that are on these health systems from every perspective. I would say that it is, daunting is probably too strong a world, but it is definitely a, a sobering thing uh, uh, for executives at Vizient to be in front of a board that basically are the the customers of your series of services and products. Um, so there's not much that can be um, that can be swept under the rug um, uh, from a governance perspective here. We may not always be aligned with them. They could have different views than other than other of our customers. But I think um, it really keeps the management team on its toes um, uh, from that perspective to have the board that's not only the fiduciary for the for the company, but also are some of our largest uh, largest customers.
0: Well, we always like to ask for a finance strategic moment, and this could have occurred any time during your finance career, uh, your pre-CFO days, uh, or or uh, in the last 18 months. Uh, and this is where your lines of sight into the organization allowed you to see a, a risk, an opportunity, allowed you to see something that others weren't able to see given your lines of sight. Now. Wh- Anything come to mind when we ask for a finance strategic moment?
1: Well, it's in it's in one of my prior jobs as a CFO. Um, I uh, was the CFO of the University of Miami Health System, and um, shortly after arriving there, um, it became clear that one of the service lines, meaning the, the, the health system service lines, was the primary um, driver of uh, of the margin, the overall margin for really the entire university. And so that insight, which uh, um, my CEO and I there shared, drove us to um, a series of decisions about how we would position the organization for longer-term success should that be a vulnerability in the future and not just a uh, a, uh, a a very positive thing and so we set about creating um, a series of of very tangible work streams to broaden the organization's uh, geographic footprint to take advantage of uh, of moving that that service line um, more broadly in the community as well with other uh, organizations and develop a long-term strategy to uh, have the organization be operated in in a way that was going to minimize the risk should over a three to five year period uh, that turn out to be a vulnerability and I think you know that was eye-opening to me and I realized taking that position, that that was a very positive thing uh, for that health system. But um, then I realized, uh, uh, given the magnitude of it, that it was also a, a, a vulnerability in the future. And I think that's true as you look at any... Any company um, that there are competencies uh, that there are um, revenue and margin uh, dictators of what you really do well and what um, ultimately provides provides the returns for the company and I think it's executives in general, but clearly the CFO has to be the guiding light uh, for the company to point those um, opportunities and vulnerabilities out, so that they can be prepared for. Um, you know, companies do not move on a dime. So if those things are identified and uh, need to be addressed, it has to happen over a multi-year period. And so, you know, that 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 really taught me something that um, I may have realized in, in giving uh, health systems advice as a, as a banker in the past. Uh, but bears very, very clearly um, when you had the responsibilities, the CFO, you needed, to, you needed to approach it from a different perspective and really develop a long-term plan to deal with it.
0: Don't go anywhere. When we return, we step into the mentoring round. With CFO David Ortel. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At US Bank, we can help. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Okay, we're going to jump to our mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and mentor future finance leaders. We begin with a sort of a big question. What is it, David, that's today exciting you about finance and business?
1: Well, I think the most exciting thing today is the speed at which everything happens and not just in in finance and not just in business but uh, it is uh how quickly the world does change and certainly can change from the perspective of of any company but but clearly uh can impact us at vision as the world changes around uh you know in our case uh, the the regulatory world of, of healthcare, care um, be it medicare and medicaid policies or what the private payers are, are doing, the Blue Crosses, uh, Aetnas of the world, um, and how that can have an impact on our customers, which cascades to an impact for the company. So it's really the, 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 pace, of, the pace of change that um, I think affects uh, really every, every, every company in, in the United States.
0: The first time you step foot in the CFO office, uh, and perhaps it was at Einstein or uh, one of the companies you mentioned earlier. The first time you stepped in that office, what is the piece of advice you wish someone had given you? That that piece of information that might have been useful, whatever it might have been, what is that?
1: Well, that the world is different in an operating company than it is uh, when you're a, a consultant or an investment banker and an advisor. Um, I think I realized that, but um, the impact of that was that... Um, it's not just uh giving advice, um and clearly, you know, C suite leaders give advice uh to, to, to their to their companies, but it's really that you have to you have to live with that advice and, and execute on it and and that is something that's fundamentally different uh, when you step in from the outside outside world of of being a consultant or 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 a banker or you know what have you um so i wish uh, i wish someone had told me that um the the, the pace of change was going to be um a little bit slower um when you were at an operating company and in the sense that it was not just giving a piece of advice but bringing an entire organization along to live uh, based on its set of values and culture, to live the, 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 the journey in, in executing. Um, and, you know, that was something I, I learned um, uh, in, in, in the operating company world once, once I joined it.
0: Is there um, a habit, a personal habit that you have or part of a daily routine that you feel has contributed in some way to your professional success?
1: Well, I think it's trying to to, uh, scope out the the focus and and truth in in any given moment, whether it's a series of financial statements or a strategic challenge the company may have, and and really screen out that which is just noise. Um, And um, it's understanding not only my true north or one's true north, but what's the company's true north, um, and, and taking that as what dictates uh what needs to happen at any any given moment. So I think it's um I, I think that's it.
0: I you know, I think you mentioned uh Princeton uh earlier. I, have you moved around during the course of your career, David?
1: A little bit. Um I I was uh living in, in Princeton when I worked in, in New York City. Um and so that was a, a good uh twenty five plus year stint in one place. Um, and then I was in uh, Miami, Florida, for 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 the, the time I was there for several years, and now I've moved to Dallas, Texas, where Visient is headquartered. And I must say I've I've enjoyed uh, experiencing different um, living locations around around the country, and, and including where I am today. You
0: wouldn't, uh, I guess. There's always factors that need to be weighed, but for other uh, executives who are weighing those types of relocation. Um, was it always the the opportunity that determined it or what, how did you how did you make those types of decisions
1: oh it was always the the opportunity it was really um being willing um and able some some able which gets to family able to make the the leaps which um which made sense from a career perspective but uh, and that career perspective is largely defined what is what are what are really interesting and challenging things to do Um, and uh, you you raised the point earlier in our conversation that I could have perhaps stayed um, until I retired in investment banking, and that clearly was an option, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do. I wanted to, in some ways, reinvent myself a little bit and I had uh I had an interest in the strategic finance aspects of uh of the CFO role um and I've been able to experience them in in three great opportunities uh, in the last third or so of my career and so it's been extremely rewarding and it's something that I would say um, other other leaders should never fear to take a leap. I think that that's important to do from a, a growth perspective and just uh, from a, a human interest perspective. All those
0: years you mentioned uh, earlier, 25 years uh, in investment banking, was that uh, largely uh, healthcare focused?
1: Yes, it was the entire healthcare healthcare focused. Have yes. you
0: ever stepped outside of the realm of of healthcare? And that alone, I think that focus is is interesting. But uh, whether oppor- I'm sure there must have been opportunities. But what would you what would you tell us? What what? How, uh, why the focus?
1: Well, I think um, when I uh, mentioned earlier that I was a politics major in, in college and was very interested in public policy in general, that wasn't just related to, to healthcare it became related to healthcare based on the first job that i had um in, in state government um in the health and human services uh uh department um and uh, i i would say no i i really have never thought of doing anything outside of, of healthcare largely defined i mean it, not just uh not just uh, you know investment banking or not just as a health system cFO i've thought about it more broadly than that but um it, it it's one of those one of those one of those circumstances that perhaps others have experienced in their career if if you were to go back to the beginning, you never would have guessed that it would wind up that way um, but it all worked fairly seamlessly, um, in my case at least, uh, from a career standpoint to do something that prepared me for the next step and the next step and the next step. And uh, I, uh, I I definitely thought about it very seriously when um, I was recruited to become a health system CFO with you know what am I doing with that? I'd been an advisor before that. I didn't have an accounting degree, and um, I certainly knew my way around a financial statement. But um, I, I, I was very much focused, which I think is what's happening in the CFO world, um, as it is in in most leaders of uh, uh, within the the the, the C suite of companies all the roles are becoming much more strategic. Um, It's really about um, developing the next set of uh, plans, the next set of strategies, and then uh, working with your teams to to execute on them. Um, And so I think uh, the world of someone coming from an audit firm or the internal accounting department moving up to be a CFO, um, while still a valid one, I I think you're seeing a lot of, of a lot of um, insights and experiences that are are, are gained in, in a professional career from the outside, being brought to to those to those roles.
0: Wondering if you have a a book perhaps that you would like to recommend to finance leaders. Doesn't have to be a, a finance book by any stretch. Uh, we often get novels recommended as well. So anything come to mind?
1: Well, actually. Um, uh, there's many, uh, but I think going back it's now almost 20 years ago, I think, Jim Collins' book, uh, From Good to Great, um, uh, is, uh, is something that immediately comes to mind to me. And the most important point of that is that it's important for uh, companies. Um, it's important for organizations in general to understand what their uh, competencies are and to focus on them, um, and by that I don't mean, you know, if you're if you make widgets, you ought to just focus on widgets. That's not my point. Um, the competencies really are: what do you bring to the market? What do you bring to, you know, your your world? If you're a not-for-profit healthcare system that is distinctive um uh, shows great uh, capabilities and will be a harbinger of your future success and it's focusing on those competencies that's that's what I take out of that of that that book understanding what you're good at, what you're not good at, and really uh, uh, focusing um in 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 materially new ways sometimes too on what you are good at.
0: We're up to our final question where we ask you to look forward the next twelve months. And tell us what are your priorities as a finance leader?
1: Well, the first would be achieving um our two thousand <laughs> and twenty budget and that that clearly is is uh, job number one um, but I think longer term um because the way that I look at budgets and the way this company looks at budgets it's it's one year it's not it, it it's one year of a multi year plan but that multi year plan is really the focus of the next year. How do we Gain the seeds for success in years two, three, four, five, and out into the future. And that's going to be driven by uh, by growth strategies, both internal and uh, and outside uh, uh, growth strategies. And so those are some of the things that are really top of mind to me um, right now and going into 2020. What are the series of growth strategies we can we can execute on that's going to make for 2021, 22, and beyond success?
0: David Ertel, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader.
1: You're welcome, Jack.